Hello, everyone. Hopefully you're having and or had a wonderful day today. If you're new here, welcome. My name is Drew. It's nice to meet you. And if you're a returning listener, shout out to you for staying with the podcast, for always listening, tuning in week after week. As you know, we're currently in an interview series in and that's so weird to say in an interview series. What I'm trying to say is that we're currently conducting weekly interviews on the podcast, and this week I invited the founders of the brand, Samuel Zelig. Some of you may know about this brand, others of you may not know about this brand, but regardless of whether or not you know about the brand or not, this is a great episode if you are a creative in and of itself, you're aspiring to reach higher limits or higher heights for your brand or creative endeavor. Both Dylan and Jonathan were fantastic guests. And to give a little bit more background on Samuel Zelig, it's a brand that I was introduced to via Canoe Club, the kind of menswear staple store that I love to go to in Boulder, Colorado. I've seen their items on the shelves there. And Dylan actually reached out and wanted to be on the podcast, which was a really cool moment for me. I have a lot of respect for the clothing and the craftsmanship and the level of detail that goes into the product that they make. So hopefully you guys get a lot of value out of this episode. If this is your third or second time listening, make sure to give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. Without further ado, let's get into the live episode. Whenever I visit Canoe Club in Boulder, there are always a select few brands that warrant me checking out their items. Samuel Zelig has always been one of those brands that caught my attention in the store. Today, we have the founders of the brand, Dylan and Jonathan on the pod. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Pretty good. Uh, Great. Yeah, just been working a lot, traveling a lot. Uh, It's been crazy. Yeah. Traveling where? We went to... uh, Italy for the Pity Womo show. Um, and then we went to New York after that. And we're going to Japan next month. So it's a lot. That's a, yeah. A lot of travel. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Pretty much this is our first run at all these uh, trade shows. So we're trying to, you know, make all the connections we can, uh, secure some new accounts, hopefully. And uh, absolutely. And yeah, just expand our reach so we can, uh, we can be everywhere, you know, canoe clubs all around the world. <laughs> hey i need to tell timothy he needs to expand to a couple more places i think he does <laughs> yeah i think they got a great thing going over there <laughs> one of the um, best shops that showcases our product really well but yeah I'll I'll make sure that he listens to this episode or I'll tell him you said that because yeah, Canoe Club is awesome. Um the trade show game and gig is a is an awesome opportunity for you guys as well. I was just literally the last episode I did um we were talking about trade shows. So it's so interesting you guys bring that up. We'll get into all of that and more. Um but actually I can't remember because we were talking before we started recording. Which one is which? Which one is Dylan? Which one? I can't. I... I'm Dylan. He's John. I'm Jonathan. Yeah. Okay. I, that's that's why I feel like I remembered you guys saying, but uh, it's good to meet both of you. And um, yeah, Canoe Club is a place that I I've been shopping at for a little over two years now. And like I said, you know, being able to see the different brands there the capitals, the beams pluses, the faux wear. And then like every once in a while I would, you know, go in and I would see these just really um, beautiful garments that stood out from your guys' brand. Um, and it was always really interesting, like how they're constructed, like the the details of them. Um, so I'm, I'm, I feel very honored to have you guys here on the pod. Let's, let's go, let's, let's peel Thank back you. the onion. Let's peel back the layers. Let's get back to, you know, the, where both of your relationships kind of begin. Where does where does the Dylan Jonathan? I don't even want to try to say your guys' last names because I know I'm going to butcher it. <laughs> where does that where does that story begin? <laughs> um, so we both met working for another designer uh, in LA. We we're both uh, interns, uh, and before uh, I met Jonathan, I was in like culinary school. I wanted to um, like be a cook, uh, and I did one shift in a restaurant in LA, like a 12 hour shift. I'm not sure if you've seen the bear, that new show. There's that one episode where it's like the most hectic that I was like, I had an experience like that and it just freaked me out. And I was still kind of going to pursue the culinary, you know, arts, but 
at that point I was just kind of like, oh man, like, is there anything else I'd be interested in? And randomly I was at a like rag house in LA, just like vintage shopping. And I met this dude who owned this brand and he was like, oh, you should come like check it out. And Jonathan was already working there and I'll let you kind of yeah. see your spiel. Yeah. And it was kind of around, yeah. Cause like all this happened maybe a few months apart. Cause I think Dylan like started interning at that brand uh, pretty much a few months after I started. And what was going on is I went to Otis, uh, Otis College of Art and Design and studied fashion design there. They have you do like a one year general arts program and then three years in your major. And I graduated in 2019 and I was kind of like looking around everywhere trying to find like a job that wasn't super like super corporate fashion but it seemed like all the teams were so small kind of gatekept where it was like i couldn't even get in anywhere i did like a internship at universal yeah. one year that was like a <laughs> real awesome. random thing uh and uh and then out of school i was like i wasn't really finding much and then i saw this pair of pants uh by like worn by a sales associate and i kind of like asked him like where he got them and kind of directed me towards that one uh designer and from there like i just started working there doing some pattern work doing some uh production like runs back and forth between like dye houses sewing factories and then shortly after like uh dylan uh was there shopping at the the vintage garage that this designer had and then uh then we just kind of hit it off from there it was love at first sight yeah we're born honestly three was. days apart it's, you know same month both from jewish families got the og jewish moms so we just you know it was just very relatable yeah uh, our upbringing also our styles were like very similar like i like i saw like what he was wearing kind of like the first day we like met and i was like oh my god this is like so weird how much all this shit aligns pretty shocking that's awesome it, it's good though to have people where you just hit it right off the bat right like that's special in life when you when you meet someone and you have this kind of like shared experience and then like with clothing that's one of the beautiful things too is that you recognize oh, okay this is how he put this outfit together tastefully okay that's that's interesting that's dope the way he did that um so that's super cool and from there from that meeting when like how does it develop from okay like okay like this is a cool dude like I, I i appreciate his style i appreciate his you know his demeanor whatever it may be to then the steps to working on an entire brand together right yeah i mean i think yeah so we we're both uh the cool thing about this designer is he did everything like in-house he had um he's like kind of what is known as like a heritage head and he had all the old like union special machines. And it was just him and another pattern maker slash sample sewer. So we were kind of like learning everything hands-on from uh, Jonathan had already had experience with like sewing and patterning from school. Uh, but I was learning from, you know, uh, the sample maker as well as Jonathan, uh, like how to sew, how to use like old darning machines, um, hand sewing, patterning, all that. And I think, I don't remember the exact moment, but it felt probably maybe like an aha moment where we were just like, dude, we should just like do this together. Cause you know, we were just interns. So we knew it was going to like lead into something else. Uh, but I think it seemed a lot harder than it, than it actually was before we had started. Like, yeah. Once we saw it, we were just kind of, we knew how to do it. We knew how production was. And, um, Another thing on the production side is everything is definitely very gate kept with sewers and fabric suppliers. That's the hard part is really finding those people. Yeah, no one really shares that info. And our, our old boss didn't even want us using his contacts afterwards, so we had to find our own. But yeah, there was just like a, some moment we just realized through like doing all these like runs to like dye houses and sewing factories and like meeting with fabric suppliers like wow, like we love doing this. It would just be even cooler if we were just doing this together. And because the team was so small for that company we worked for, we're like, they barely had it pulled together and they didn't even have their act all the way together. Like we were kind of trying to 
reorganize things for them and get it running a little bit better. And we we're like, damn, we can just do this ourselves for ourselves. And, and I think we could run things pretty smoothly. Yeah. Um, if you would have told like that version of me that like, you know, back in like, uh, the middle of college or like a year before graduating, I'd say like, fuck, no, you could probably work, you know, for a bunch of design companies for the next 10 years. And then maybe you'll have the confidence to do it. But I think something about like, I met Dylan and we both just kind of like brought each other up energy wise. And like, we were just like, yeah, we can do this. We just had this like newfound confidence that didn't exist when we started this thing. Uh, yeah. And it kind of totally like started from there yeah yeah that's really interesting because you're right i think for a lot of young people who are listening to this or even older people like the the initial steps or the initial point to start your own venture it's incredibly scary right and so like when you speak about confidence not only having confidence in yourself but like to have confidence in another person that is um like unique because i i remember when i was first started making videos, first started creating content. I even had a brand at some point. And one of my close homies, he was like, yo, Drew, you should try this. So we could work on this together, blah, blah, blah. And like, we were friends. We were good friends. We've been friends since high school and whatnot. But, you know, I learned relatively quickly that like, it's so much more difficult when you have, you know, people that you care about in your life, whether they be friends or acquaintances or whatever business partners, and they have a direction for the brand and you have another direction for the brand. Um, were there ever moments like when in, in the early stages or like early on where you guys were like, okay, John, Jonathan's saying we're going this way. Dylan's saying we're going this way. Where do, where do we go from here? Like, we still have that. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. So it's, it's an ongoing conversation. For it's sure. the, but yeah, I think that there, there's not another person that I could do this with. It was just something magical, really. Like, uh, but with those, I mean, we have good communication and um, we're able to, you know, um, just come from like an objective kind of standpoint. And uh, we always work it out. We're always and it's always those arguments always fine tune things. And we're always getting like it's good that we have it because then we get to the place that that we need to be. Uh, I think if 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 I was agreeing with Jonathan with everything, or if he was agreeing with me, it'd be like two. Like we balance each other so well, really. And I think that's how we've gotten to where we've gotten to. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great balance because, like Dylan also says it well a lot. He's like he's great with like lots of like ideas and like lots of directions we can go. And I'm like super like stubborn, narrow minded, like, okay, let's just keep it like exactly like this. Like if I say I'm going to do something like this, it stays to that. And it's like we we balance each other out that way. It would be too crazy if it was one way or the other. It kind of needs to be both. Uh, yeah. for work. But um, even just in terms of how we started, like when we had an idea of what we did for our like first collection stuff, we were both on like the same page about that. It's just that things kind of just shifted based off of, you know, COVID happening. and Challenges and variables, right? Yeah, and it, it was hard to get into new shops and get in the door with some of that stuff. And, but that was the direction we initially wanted to go with the brand, more uh, like high-end uh, basics. And, uh, you know, the focus was really like fabrication, construction, finishing, uh, and, and we still apply that to the, the stuff we've been doing more recently. Uh, the more recent stuff, it's, it's a little bit more graphic, heavy, a little bit more colorful. Uh, and so, you know, the, the quality behind that hasn't changed, but the direction has changed a little bit. Totally. That makes a lot of sense. And I like what you guys said earlier on too, is that you guys kind of balance each other out and it makes sense. And, the form of, you know, uh, like influential or powerful individuals, they can be influential and powerful, but influential and powerful teams will always be that much more. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's really interesting to hear your guys' perspective in, in that respect, um, talking about just your guys' roles. And and uh, maybe I'll ask like more in-depthly, like how do you guys distinguish each of your roles within 
Samuel Zeleg. Yeah, I would say from the beginning, we were doing everything together, you know, production, design, shipping, administration, sales, everything. And just as we've grown, um, we can't do it like that anymore. Um, it's kind of like a, if we're like a two-man band, we kind of had to like learn every instrument, some instruments that both of us are, you know, better at. Uh, but now I handle more of like the, we both share like the creative direction and design role and all the artwork is pretty much 50-50. But I'm doing now more of like the marketing, sales, uh, editorial, like photography stuff. Uh, and Jonathan does um, like the production management and production like coordination. Uh, but we're both like schlepping, I'd say equally. Yeah. You know, it's nothing but driving you know back and forth to an area in la called vernon is kind of where all the sewing and uh like wash houses are yeah so we're, we're still making trips there all the time um but yeah no it's it's definitely helped a lot that it's like we can come together on creative and then we just have our own tasks that normally we end up handling on like the off hours so like when i coordinate with our factories it's usually like later at night and then when Dylan's kind of doing all this different like social media outreach and, and planning like shoots and stuff, that's also happening later. And then it's like by the next morning, we usually like see each other and just talk about the updates on, on each end, you know? That's, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like 24-7 with a business. It's not really like nine to five, um, you know, because if you're working with people internationally, it's they're up at, you know when it's 10 p.m. for us. Yeah. And that's when we're answering emails as well. Totally. Yeah, it's, it, I try to tell people this all the time. I mean, running a business is a 366 day a year thing. It just, it just never ends. It never leaves your conscious. You know what I mean? Like, even when you're just take you're taking a shower, you're, you're eating, whatever it may be, the business is, your projects are always on your mind because no matter what you're either thinking ahead for what's next or you're in a current challenge or problem and you're trying to figure out how to solve it, right? Whether it be delays or whether it be uh, shipping errors or whether it be uh, the minute details of manufacturing issues. I mean, I've talked to so many different people and everyone, everyone has that same kind of thought process. Your business is, it, it, it takes on your entire life at times. Right. And, and it's not for the faint of heart either. Right. Yeah. So. And I just, had a baby a year ago first one and so congratulations thank you but i only bring that up because most parents will know it's you don't sleep for that first year and most people that have a business it's the same thing so it was like a double feature <laughs> my man is an insomniac now yeah, it's okay it, that is uh, <laughs> it's crazy it's really it's it's so crazy but um you know i, I think uh, i'm glad like we made it through Kind of this, it feels like now too with our business where we just got to the point where it's like we're past the beginning stage. Now we're starting to enter that middle stage where we're becoming a little bit more established and carried in a lot more stores. And so it feels good that we could kind of ride the wave a little bit more and we're not trying to like, you know, we're not like backpedaling. It's, it's um those moments too, Dylan, are they they remind you of why you're doing what you're doing too at the same time right at the same rate like it's not easy it's not easy to be a business owner it's not easy to make clothing it's not easy to be in in the fashion industry because there's so much competition and if you don't have that entry level grit to get through those moments i mean you'll just get run over there's just so much there's so many other things that that people can consume so um i always find that interesting to hear from different owners and founders now samuel zelig where does the the naming convention come from uh yeah so when we were trying to come up with a name we had like a lot of different ideas and a lot of it was already trademarked and so we're like let's pick something that just like sounds different and doesn't we could get the trademark very easily but it's both of our middle names mine is samuel his is zelig and it was both of our great-grandfather's names on our mom's side yeah. as well so yeah and we got everything in one go we got the website handle the instagram the twitter facebook too 
<laughs> <laughs> that's what's up that's important because <laughs> having to put like samuel zalig official or real or something like that 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 don't fly that don't cut it <laughs> or no other samuel zalig's yeah. that you'll find we just maybe, like that maybe it, just, one. it sounded super different than anything else and it kind of contrasts like the clothing that we make as well so it's just kind of people normally ask like what is that name like where did yeah it come from? no it's interesting it's interesting it even I don't know if people have told you guys this either, but like when I think of that, I think of like an individual like who would wear the items of clothing. I don't know if that's I don't know if you guys have thought about that, too, but um, it's just interesting. Um, we have actually kind of thought of it that way. It's, it's funny that you say that because, uh, yeah, it's almost like this is this character's like closet that mm -hmm, exactly um, vintage clothing and that's what everyone gets to to wear is like that sort of uh that sort of look it's like oh what would samuel say like where what's his look and that's kind of what all this stuff is that's dope that's fire i love that that's really really cool and i, I mean you never know down the line when if that individual or character or if you guys want to put an image to that if that happens that, that's actually really interesting it's fun that idea to play with yeah um now i want to know well you guys kind of talked about this already um, in terms of like what the brand has become in terms of like the ethos, like what, what are the exact products that are the brand? There are people who are going to listen to this and just like any opportunity, like to talk and speak about your brand. Um, there, there are going to be people who are going to listen to this, who don't know anything about Samuel Zellig. How would you describe it from a, like, how, how are you describing what the brand is, what it looks like, what the clothing is, what it what it feels like, those kind of things? Yeah, I mean, well, originally when we started out, like Jonathan was saying, we were doing more high-end basics. Um, and we were really trying to, to get there with those pieces. But there's just, like you were saying as well, there's so many brands out there already that are doing that. And we were not cutting any corners, so our price point was pretty high. I think if you're not an established brand, it's hard, it's a hard selling point for sure. Uh, but we definitely got some good orders, but we only got into one store and we just felt like, okay, we need to pivot. We want to do something. We want to give, uh, you know, our brand a voice. And uh, we released a camp shirt that had uh, some embroidery on it, but it was very, it looked like hand stitching. We figured out a way to automate like a hand stitch look. Uh, in our art style and people just really like freaked out over it. And um, we were still only in one store and we were really fighting to get into another store. And we would, I won't say who it is, but we would DM the owner, like, I don't know, every week for like four months, call yeah. every day. Like, we were, like Our this, special day was Tuesday. Like, I felt like that. we were going to, you know, hear from like the police, like that's how crazy we were going. And finally he caved and he was like, all right, no. And we were like, what do you mean? Like, here, we'll just like, drop it off to you. You'll see how amazing the product is and you'll see. And, and I, he gave me his address. I dropped it off at his house. He didn't respond for a couple of weeks. And finally, he's like, all right, let's put it in the store. And we ended up selling like over 100 shirts there at 295 as an unknown brand. And we we're like, okay, we really have something here. And from there, we just started trying out different silhouettes, some knit, some woven. And it was doing well, but we were like, we really want to just be known for one thing and almost create like an itemized brand. And we pivoted to right now, we're pretty much just doing sweatshirts. Uh, so over the course of this year, we're going to have about like just about 24 sweatshirts released. And they're all inspired by 1930s to 1950s knitwear, but just uh, the, also the inspiration. There's a lot of like bootleg stuff that came from that era. Like, say, some military was issued, you know, a double V crew neck or you know a sweatshirt, and they would, you know, draw on it in some way, almost like a yearbook style. And we just love that idea, but we wanted to take it a step further, and. So that's where like embroidery came in and, and different forms of applique. Uh, and so really with this collection that's going to come out, there's really a piece for everybody. Like we really put the limits of even our own art styles and tried out so many different things that some are more graphic focused, some are more abstract uh, and all different sorts of applications. So that's kind of where we are now. Yeah. 
but yeah, like we just, we just felt from the start of doing that one camp shirt, we realized like, okay, like people really respond to this line work embroidery. And then we started to, you know, add those, add those new styles. We, you know, we did a hoodie and that hoodie moved like really quick for us at the stores we were selling to at the time. It was, uh, it was the first colorways we did of the traveling band hoodie and canoe club actually took us on with that one. Uh, and yeah, from there we were just like, yeah, just try it, try one thing. Um, but yeah, really like thirties through fifties knitwear with two kind tone. of, yeah, like two tones with a, like a, a customized DIY feel to it. Um, it feels like a one of a kind piece, but we're like, no, no, you can, it's like, we're producing a couple hundred of them. Like anyone could get it. I think a great example of who we are now is our latest piece, like our Sycamore Cycling Club crew neck. I was going to bring that one up. <laughs> it really feels like it could be like a vintage thrift, you know, piece. Um, and it, it just feels like, what it what is this? And it, it looks like maybe there was somebody that was part of this club and maybe had the original embroidery and they chain stitched their, their name and they added kind of patches for different milestones they hit. Um, but that is kind of the embodiment, I think, of where we are and what people can expect. But uh, another just really uh, why we pick sweatshirts is because we felt like it's so universal, like more than camp shirts, more than anything else. It's kind of like denim. It's like everybody and their mother wears sweatshirts, you know. Uh, and the perfect example of that is the day before the pity almost started, it was like night, Jonathan had just fallen asleep. We were like on twin beds in this like very little Airbnb. And I was looking at Instagram and somebody DM'd like, uh, it was a photo of two chains, like wearing our like ballet crew neck. Jonathan's dad wears that one a lot, same color. And they could not be two more like different people, you know? Yeah. And I was like, that is so cool that like Jonathan's dad wears this piece and like two chains wears this piece. And that's what we're trying to do is just like, there's something really for everybody. Uh, and it's, it's anybody who appreciates, you know, clothes really. It doesn't yeah. My dad looks like me with a bigger gray beard. So, <laughs> so like, that's awesome. So the difference in, in characters is, is drastic. Also like he, two chains wore it just before he like played at like this one club and I'm like, damn, that's incredible. Like the range of customers we could sell to. Like my dad in his, uh, I'll say late fifties, maybe. <laughs> we don't, we don't have to disclose any information yeah, that we don't think, need to. Just give him the credit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, it's like, we, we love that. We love that it could, it could be on anyone. Yeah. That's so cool. After I was going to bring up the, gets it. of course, absolutely. I was going to bring up the Sycamore Cycling Crew Neck because in on my instagram i have a couple of like saved tabs you know when you save something on instagram a post or whatever um it goes into like a folder if you want to create one for yourself the sycamore cycling crew neck is the image of like this fashion folder that i have that where i just catalog all of the different items and things that you know i'm interested or i see i come across on instagram and it's something that you know when you see it in person at canoe when i saw it in person at canoe club like if you guys are listening um it's just this like stunning like they said almost looks diy-esque um type of kind of bootleg bootleg esque yeah um it just it really it really took me aback right and it's cool to see that you know, I didn't know two chains wore you guys' stuff. How did that feel? That that's pretty freaking cool. It was insane. I mean, we weren't expecting it, and um, yeah, so we, we must so the, yeah, keep like, track of who's buying what. Yeah, and that's a cool thing. He probably bought it at I think one of our stores, um, but yeah, I mean, even just to you know add on to what I was saying before, like I think in fashion, the way fashion is kind of moving towards it seems is like people are focusing less on a full look um because there's so much out there um it's really kind of like itemized pieces everyone wants to feel like they're owning a, a one of one but companies still need to produce multiple units in order to like obviously make money um but we really felt like an itemized brand like something that um you can pair already with something else you own just feels like that works the best you know, and doing like pants, jackets, shirts, accessories, everything. We yeah. just wanted to 
we almost wanted to box ourselves in and then create from there. Totally. No, it makes sense. And, and you can kind of work your way around your image in that respect, right? If you have a clear and defined look to you, if it's if it's an itemized look, if it's a one-on-one look, but it's not one-on-one, then no matter what, people will always see your pieces and go, oh, sh- that's Samuel Zelly. Like, that's, okay, I, I recognize that because of these visual elements. And, like, talking about those visual elements, I'm on the website right now. I'm looking at it right now. Um, and at some with some of the pieces that you guys create, they're the line art that you guys have made for just different graphics, things of that nature. Is there a particular inspiration that you're pulling from? Because I, I, I'm a big fan, not a huge fan, but I love like different, you know, cartoon, cartoonist graphics, things of that nature too. I have a book of Jean-Jacques Sampé, who is like this uh, artist who worked for the, who did some covers for the New Yorker and, and did cartooning there and different graphics. Is there any particular artists or just like is it part of your guys's interest to have this particular style of like line work and and cartooning and artistry Mm -hmm. yeah so like with uh with our art styles so some of the the artwork when you look at like the more kind of uh like maybe on the portrait shirt is yeah or um yeah like I, i kind of like depending on what piece uh it changes a little bit. Like our traveling band hoodie is like Dylan and I's doodles. So naturally we just both draw like that. But then like when you look at pieces like the portrait shirt, that's actually based off of these like vintage found photographs that we have. But then I would actually draw them in this art style of like graphic novels, like uh, if you're familiar with like Watchmen or V for Vendetta that it has like a very like harsh contrasty shadow work done to like the faces and stuff. So it's almost like blending the two, blending like vintage vintage portrait uh, photography with comic book graphic novel art. So we like look at a reference and then draw from there. Um, and then for things like probably our like our ballet crew neck or um, see out of like more recent styles we've done like the gallery hoodie is like that the inspiration for that i mean a lot of the sweatshirts from you know like 30s 50s 70s like you know they were like collegiate or athletic or some sort of club or you know restaurant or something yeah and people would customize them over time and um you know a lot of the art style in like the 50s was like a lot of that cartoon art um and i think we kind of look at that and just want to do it oh shit call um uh, we we kind of look at that and we're like okay let's you know do it in our own style and make it original to us but a lot of the art has a some sort of personal attachment to one of us we leave it up for interpretation you know revise it um but yeah, I think just those like customized pieces that people did is kind of what's the inspiration overall, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like each each piece we do, we always usually start with some form of a vintage inspiration, like one of the styles we have coming out in uh, in the next few months is based off of these like vintage crew necks that they issued out in the Navy and like... Uh, you know, usually like a bunch of members would draw all over it and draw little cartoon characters and like add signatures and writing and stuff. And uh, we were we were kind of thinking like, oh, what if we did that? And we did it kind of in the style of how we've done ballet crew neck art, but we add a little bit more shading. And, and then we go from there to try and make it look like one of those pieces, but if they embroidered it. So we're always like pulling from some type of vintage inspiration or some cool like uh general art style but we're never really uh probably because dylan and i aren't familiar with a ton of artists that's that's the weird thing it's like i went to art school studied art history and i cannot name you that many artists uh because i was probably sleeping through that class uh by the time all the classes were over I, i think the embroidery though is very reminiscent of like early tattoos uh because it has that texture more than like you know printing on a on a garment yeah so even that too is like kind of like vintage like stick and poke 
tattoos um, as well and applying that to our pieces. But I mean, when we design, we normally start with some sort of theme and then grow from there. Yeah, like with the cycling piece, you know, I mean, that started where like, what if there was just like a vintage like cycling club, maybe from like the 50s or 60s or something? Like, what would that look like? You know? Yeah. 100%. 100%. That's so interesting. And and yeah, honestly, honestly, Jonathan, I don't blame you for not remembering <laughs> different things in school. I mean, it, it's so fascinating. I only reason why I brought up the artist I know is because I can look at the book right over there. And oh, it's John. John. Like you got to have these little cues when you're podcasting. <laughs> I got items all around the room right now just to remind me of different things. Um, so that's really interesting as well. I wanted to ask you guys, this is kind of like a curveball question. Yeah, because I find it interesting, you know, how you explained you take from different eras, whether it be, you know, you know, vintage garments, vintage graphics, stick and poke tattoos. Um, this is like it's this is a very curveball question, um, but I feel like in 2023, the conversation of AI art, artificial intelligence art is just this massive conversation right now. If I go on TikTok, sometimes I'll see uh star wars in an anime style the ai is bringing together these two different forms of medium how do you guys view something like ai in terms of being uh, as creatives as yourself do you view it as something that's it, it taints the creativity that you're doing um or do you view it as an asset to building references hopefully that makes sense yeah um but i'm, I'm leaving i've to you. never even heard of that but i mean that sounds extremely cool I, I i think that's very cool um i mean we're super like old school in the way we do things like even for production like we hand draw everything and tape onto patterns like very rarely like working on the computer we're just you know like to be more hands-on but um i think uh using the help of like ai to kind of create something that maybe you could have never even come up with on your own and and then putting it into your own thing from there i mean sounds pretty interesting yeah yeah it's like i don't know if we would ever use something like that personally we kind of like everything to look a little bit messy and imperfect so i think yeah until until ai adapts to <laughs> emulating that as well which i'm sure it will um you know but but yeah it, it is interesting because i think dylan and i recently had a conversation about it where I was just like, that's just baffling that one day, like, you know, design companies may just use AI programs for developing graphics and art. And what's really then the purpose of having like in-house artists or anything else. And <laughs> it's weird. Cause I'm like, I don't even know the answer to where we would go from there. I, it's almost yes, like it's, it's almost presenting the same issue where what happens when like certain tasks in a factory become automated, but because art is this like whole untouched industry because it's, it's creative and it requires like yeah. the human hand and mind behind it. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think even in like sewing, I mean, I like to see the imperfections in our, like when, uh, you know, you could see the sewer's hand when they kind of like leaned off a little bit. Um, but I mean, some of my favorite pieces I own are like vintage pieces that people hand mended over time, you know, the imperfection, something got ripped and then you could like really see how they would have mended it. And it's like, to me, like that is so cool. Yeah. But I think both things sound, sound cool. interesting to me. I'd love to actually like input something and see what it comes up with. Yeah. <laughs> see if it can no, some Samuel Zalig art. Yeah. it probably would come up with something i mean but i think at the same time like you guys said like both of you said uh, uh there's it's, it's an interesting kind of thought right like it's hard to know and predict what what the future holds i just wanted to throw that at you guys because it's just i feel like every time i go online there's some conversation about ai um in some respect so um it's it's just yeah it's fun to hear different people's perspective on it um, yeah yeah, no, it'll be interesting just to see where that goes, because I know right now it's really big with all of that. Like it generates like portraits of people in numerous styles. And then they kind of did some digging and it's like pulling a lot of different like animation artists, portraits, collaging them together. 
and then you actually see what's like reminiscent of their old signatures on them uh and it's like you know no one knows yet how to describe whether or not it's ethical or like how that works but yeah i guess we'll see where that goes with design huh <laughs> for sure for sure and i think you guys um had an interesting point too in in saying that or or dylan you said that you appreciate the imperfections right and i think that's uh, a lot of purists feel that same way you know no matter what happens from an advancement standpoint in cars and fashion and cameras in different artisanal goods people are always if, if you're a purist at heart you're always going to appreciate the heritage of something and so when something it, it seems like ai comes along and it makes things seem so unbelievably perfect or it's just or even if it can replicate the imperfections like there will still be an appreciation for the art form as it was developed through you know generations of mistakes and 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 imperfections and making things better and and all those kind of things right so yeah i think even like another great example is uh there there are so many new brands out there and pretty well established ones that try to emulate true vintage uh whether it's like a really like beautifully mended pair of uh like french chore pants uh and you you know you see the references floating online of what they used as the reference and nothing really beats that and i think that's a perfect example it's like you can't no matter how hard you try there's always going to be something that's a little bit you know a little bit off from what uh, a true vintage garment looks like you know you reproduce it you get the same fabrics you you do all those processes it's never quite the same hundred percent. Yeah. For that, that right customer base that gets it, they'll always be like, no, that's the, that's the legit one. Mm -hmm. I totally, 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 totally. It's just, it's fun. It's fun. I'm glad I asked you guys that question because it popped in my head and yeah, like I said, it's just fun. Now for Samuel Zellig talking about you guys, what you guys are working on is again, um, you know, no brand is perfect and it's always fascinating for me when I ask this question and, and I feel like the audience will love this too. Um, and if you if you can give an answer, I would I can't I can't wait to hear it. But um, in terms of improvement, um, no brand, like I said, is exactly where it needs to be. Or there's always room for improvement. Essentially, do you guys are you guys looking at 2023 and, and thinking about the ways in which you can obviously grow the brand, but improve the brand as well? What What are some of those thoughts? Yeah, I mean, just from, you know, trial and error, we're learning so much and construction and new sewing methods and developing different kinds of artwork, uh, different kinds of silhouettes. Um, so yeah, I think just in that range of things, you know, uh, there's a lot of improvement, but the fun thing is like, we're just progressing, you know, like from where we started, like we have to do it in order to know what the next thing is. Um, but yeah, I think we always try and have like a beginner mind, you know, never feel like we know more than anyone else. Um, and I think that allows us to grow. Yeah. And we're kind of like, like looking at this, uh, this set of like uh, fall winter releases almost as a reference point to like learn where we can improve what, um, you know, what our stores respond to, what our customer base responds to. Um, and then use that kind of as a gauge for like where like where's maybe one type of style that like we should um, maybe like produce a little bit more of what's like an art style that people are responding to a lot more of uh, using that to, to learn. I think that's always uh, the best way to know how like a brand like ours needs improvement is just really like the customers and the stores will tell us uh, and it'll, it'll reflect that way. Like with the cycling crew neck, when that came out, we just felt like we had an instant hit on our hands. Like people who normally would never even wear something like that were really gravitating towards it. And it was kind of shocking. I'm like, wow, really? It's like, you want to wear it? Like, that's crazy. Like when people would say that they were interested in it. And I think that was like a good reference point. I'm like, okay, like, 
people are kind of responding to this sort of style and this combination of like the patches and the centralized work and the, you know, the chain stitch style and the lettering. And, uh, and that's where we learn like, okay, like this is uh, something that we can run with for our brand. Um, so I think the the designs really do tell us where we, we need improvement, I guess, in that, in that realm. And then um, on the side of everything else, we're just trying to, maximize you know whatever work the two of us are putting into something uh that it's just uh you know we can get it done in in effective amounts of time because there's a number of other things we have to be doing too so always the wheel is always turning and turning (laughs) yeah just trying to get faster get faster with designs uh you know hold our our sewing factories to you know be able to get our deliveries done on time you know we just want to have a, a reputation for being able to like ship on time, all of that important stuff, you know? Of course, of course. Those are the things, those are the, um, those are the things that, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. Those are like the straws, right? Like, you know, you can have a very beautiful item of clothing or, or have a beautiful collection, but those, uh, logistics things can sometimes be the brunt of a, a brand's destruction, right? So, um, you know, interestingly, uh, you talked about feedback coming from customers, from from stores, from the design with the cycling tee. Because I agree, I think the that I mean not tee, the crew neck, that crew neck is um, like just so visually captivating. Do you feel that? And I don't know if like other people will understand what I'm asking here, but like, do you feel pressure to one up that, or do you feel pressure? in creating something that you feel is a hit that you have to then afterwards continue to make hits that follow that particular item. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't think we feel pressure. Cause I think our excitement for new stuff, just the creation of it is like, uh, kind of outweighs that, that feeling. Yeah. Like we'll, you know, we'll create something and then we won't really think about it anymore and we'll just produce it. And then, you know, we'll see, um, how it, how it goes with the stores and everything, but we'll just have so many new ideas and be on to the, to the next thing. And, um, I think that's the, yeah. sort of the, the fun. No, honestly. And also we're looking at those, like those designs for so long that we're just always so ready oh, we're sick to of move them. on to the next yeah. thing. We're, and, and the way we do everything, we always talk to each other about any design we've done and talk about how we would have like to do it like this but change this 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 and this and we just give that uh that room for the next piece we design and so yeah it's it's actually just like we naturally want to follow up with the next thing because because we're like all right let's move on collections designed let's move on to the next cool shit that we want to make yeah because we're working on one piece takes about seven to eight months to get it out from like start to finish so it's like eating the same meal every day for like not long and you're like i never want it yeah you know, so. especially um, when we're seeing inventory i'm like i'm sick of looking at these hoodies i'm sick of looking at these shirts and then everyone else sees it and it gets us excited again because they're seeing it for the first time and we've been seeing it for like six months but but we're like you know to show like we recently sold to uh this uh, our first account in uh, in Tokyo and to see like all of the people who are like running the shop and some of the models wearing our stuff it's exciting because it it's as if we're seeing it all over again for the first time um so that's when it it feels particularly exciting to see an an old design piece but you know just reworked in a way but there really is like something for everybody and I mean, Jonathan and I, we dress pretty like, uh, like basic in terms of like, we're not wearing a lot of graphics all the time, but, um, you know, I think with this stuff, we wear all, all our stuff a lot, but for somebody, you know, uh, to love something so much, uh, I think they, they just feel something like art and, uh, ultimately we wanted to create something that you know, you, you could be wearing it and somebody can't help but come up to you and be like, where, where did you get that? I can't. And, you know, even with our, 
like traveling band hoodies or it just seems like every piece has that one customer that's like this is my favorite piece i've ever owned like this is incredible and we just like to have fun like sweatshirts are fun you know we're not trying to like create something that's super serious yeah mm. yeah for sure for sure for sure for sure i like what you guys said about how having the same meal for seven months i think a lot of creators can attest to um working on something for a long period of time and you you look at it for such a long period of time that you find you know you're not disgusted by it but like you're like i just i've looked at the same thing for so damn long like i'm ready to move on something else and i feel the same way like when i create videos um and i i have to edit the video and it's been you know we're in, we're hour 90 into editing and i have to replay the intro and it's the 500th time i've played the same voice my voice talking to the camera i'm like is this like am i losing my mind right now this doesn't even sound good anymore and then yeah. you share it with someone else and you're like yo this is it like this is crazy and you're like okay i understand why i put all of that painstaking labor into like all the creative energy into that so it's a lot you're, like making music too i think like and it's hard to know when to stop you know especially when you're doing it you can't like really look at it um from like a 30,000 foot view, like you're so in it. I mean, sometimes we'll do a piece and we're like, whoa, we did like way, way too much to this piece. Like we need to like cut this 50%. Yeah. Cause we're like, just you keep going, keep going, keep going. Uh, and we're not like taking a step back to look at the canvas. But I think, yeah, with music, I, you know, some friends that are musicians and they're, you know, would like make an album or something and they're listening to that same song, you know, thousands of times. And it's like, it, it's like when you hear the same word too many times and you start thinking about the word and you're like wait what what does that even mean a hundred percent i had that just the other week funny enough i can't even, i think it was the word bean like what is that you like i don't it <laughs> say it's so much like it's <laughs> not even a word <laughs> oh that's awesome that's awesome you guys have been um fantastic guests so far i got two more questions for you um and it's been it's been fun uh like i told you guys before uh, it's it's great to have brand owners on the pod because I feel like there's a different level of credibility that comes with, you know, putting your creativity, your products out there versus, you know, sometimes when I talk to other creators, it's it's just a different realm. So it, it's cool to have your guys' perspective. Um, the first question I want to ask you guys is, and this is kind of like a fun one. I don't know if you guys have ever thought about this, but um, in the era of prolific collaborations, have you guys ever thought about collaborating with um, another brand, whether it be on something that's footwear related or accessory related or whatever it may be? Talk to me about that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, all the time, just for fun. We have conversations yeah. about it. I think um, yeah, since we're like kind of leaning towards being an itemized brand that's doing kind of one thing, we'd love to work with somebody else that's doing their thing, but very different from ours. I think a realistic one would probably be something like Gitman Vintage um, to work with them. I think it would it would it would work very well on their uh, like pieces. Um, I mean, but yeah, I mean, Paraboot would be like another really cool one. We you know always are coming up with like design ideas. If we ever yeah got approached, we'd have some. Yeah, we're always like just talking about uh, different ideas of what we would do with one of their silhouettes and like oh like what if we put just like artwork on this part of like the of the toe and then it was made out of these fabrics and this type of leather um just because it's it's a shoe we wear so much uh when we're working uh that that's like kind of a dream collaboration for us um and then we were also just talking about how cool it would be to work with like a jewelry brand um is they can do all sorts of cool etchings on things like signet rings uh, and like necklaces. But yeah. Yeah. I was thinking jewelry too. That was like the first, like I was thinking of some jewelry brands that first came to mind too. Also with like a, an estate, like a band, maybe like an old band would be really cool. Maybe one that nobody's really worked with uh, that much. Yeah. That'd be fun. I know like a lot yeah. of stuff, a lot of people have done stuff with like the Grateful Dead. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, we like a lot of old bands, so I'm sure we could come up with one that would be fun. Yeah, yeah, I totally forgot about that. It's like bands and artist estates. Yeah. Especially, oh yeah. Yeah. Was that one artist uh, from 
Hellboy. Oh yeah, there's like I don't know if you're like familiar with uh, the comic book artist uh, Mike Mignola. He did the graphic novel uh, illustrations for Hellboy. Oh, okay. I know Hellboy. I don't. I didn't yeah. know that. But he yeah. has like a very specific kind of like all his characters look as if they were like carved in stone, mm. the way that they're designed. And it would just be so cool to collaborate with uh, with an artist like that and have some of his like iconic drawings turned into embroideries. That's like one of those yeah. random ones where I'm like, it's not for the customer base. It's kind of just for for me because that just sounds so cool. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe people would really respond to something like that. And, uh, you know, as we grow more as a brand and we have a little bit more reach, we'd be able to get some collaborations like that going. Absolutely. And, you know, from the beginning, we talked like the very first line you guys talked about was trade shows and different opportunities. You never know who you come across, who you meet, whose hands you shake, and, and maybe something will be in the works. It, it's fun to think about collaborations, right? Because it's just um, creatives from different disciplines, different you know, expertise coming together. It's that, you know, one plus one equals four, two plus two equals eight kind of thing. And um, I'm excited for you guys for the future. I'm excited for Samuel Zelig as as a brand, as an entity in my local canoe club and everything you guys are doing. I know you guys are working with a ton of creators too, and I've seen that. It's fantastic. Um, yeah. The last question of the pod. What is one thing the audience would have never known about Samuel Zelig if they hadn't tuned in to this episode? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just the two of us doing everything yeah for, for starters and also i think just how long things take like there's really so much work that goes into one piece you know it's really like seven months eight months of of work um and i think a lot of people i mean i know that i, I had no idea what kind of work went into into it before i ever started in this industry it's really yeah it's crazy crazy amount of like 12 steps you know, and there's a lot that can go wrong. And normally a lot does go wrong, but we end up being able to fix it. <laughs> yeah, it's like we, we do what we can to correct all of these like unforeseen errors that would happen. Uh, but yeah, like we've noticed just with the artwork, some, some pieces take an unnecessarily long amount of time to design. Like say there's like, like a old font we're inspired by, but you literally can't find that font online we're gonna figure out a way that we can make it draw it by hand scan it in you know fill it in like do that like we're trying to emulate like some type of new art style well we're gonna just keep redoing it until we can and yeah it's like that stuff happens and and we're also just adjusting our patterns all the time uh and yeah it's just like so much so much work does go into all these pieces and I think it's really just, well, I think maybe someone would be like, it's a little impractical how much time you guys are spending on some of this stuff. We just do it because we really, we really love it. And it's, we want to create things that we can always stand behind. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and yeah, yeah it kind of feels like, you know, old cars, they were so cool. A lot of it wasn't practical, but it's like people were just doing it because it was like, it was just cool. And we want to like keep that kind of philosophy with our, our clothes like that some of the stuff we're producing like it we went crazy and it was really just for us but we hope you know our customers uh respond well to it 100 <laughs> percent. i love that man i love that make cool shit <laughs> that's all that's and also i mean we do have a couple collaborations coming out with like other artists uh and it's just you know we're not making any money off of it it's just because we both love each other's art and it's just to do something cool together yeah have fun. yeah just have fun yeah that's been like a really great opportunity with just uh going to trade shows and uh and connecting with new people is uh just being able to find more uh designers and other artists and creatives that we can relate to and that you know, we talk to them and all of their values and their creative process just so closely aligns with us. And we're just like, we just want to make something cool with you guys because we do. And that's really it. But I love it. I yeah, love it, man. Fun. 
I love it. Thank. I mean, this is definitely going to be one of the brands that I keep an eye out for. Like I mentioned earlier, Canoe Club. Continue to continue to stock these boys. Continue to show them love because I think that they definitely deserve it. Dylan, Jonathan, it was a pleasure having you on the pod. Thank you. Thank yeah, you so thank much. you for having us. Yeah. Really appreciate it.